Good morning. Good morning. It is it's very good to be able to, to be here today and, and to worship with, with the saints who have assembled here in Jessup. It's, it's a blessing to be able to do this every Sunday. Um, a blessing that I'm very grateful for. <clears throat> Y'all would like uh, go ahead and turn to, to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be uh, picking up in our in, in the Sermon on the Mount series that I've somewhat off and on been going through. I think it's been about every other lesson so far. Um, put my notes. Apologize. <clears throat> Matthew chapter six will be where, where we are tonight. Or this Matthew chapter six, <clears throat> and <clears throat> so as we as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount so far. Talked about the Beatitudes. We, we we've discussed the passage where Christ tells tells the listeners that that the people who will be citizens in God's kingdom of righteousness are will be people who are salt of the earth, who people who will be a light to the world around them, leading the way to to, to God and to His salvation. We talked last time um, about. Uh, how how a kingdom citizen will act when it comes to personal relationships, and all of these things combine to give us a portrait of a kingdom citizen. And when we say kingdom, we're talking about God God's kingdom of righteousness. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. It is, it is a portrait of a, of a citizen in God's kingdom of righteousness. We 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 read about the characteristics of these kingdom citizens. There there are people who hunger and thirst. For the righteousness that only God can supply. They're not seeking the false righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. In fact, Christ says that your righteousness must exceed that if you're going to be part of this kingdom. There are people who are hungry and thirsting for God's righteousness, for his right order, as we talked about in class, for God's right order in their life and in the world around them as well. Kingdom citizens are people who will pursue that right order in their relationship with other people. And that, that's what we talked about the last time we were, we were in this sermon. Uh, it, it's the last part of Matthew 5. There are people who, are, who will pursue God's right order in, the, in their relationship. People who will humble themselves and, and will, will make amends when they have wronged someone. A kingdom citizen is someone who will hold God's institution of marriage in high regard. A kingdom citizen is someone who, who will be known for keeping their word. They, don't, they, they shouldn't have to, to swear by this or swear by that because, they, because it is known that a kingdom citizen keeps his word and means what he says, means what she says. It, a kingdom citizen is someone who, who doesn't try to get even when they're wrong. When someone does something to hurt them, even intentionally to wrong them, a kingdom citizen is not someone who's concerned with getting even in, in, that, in that situation. Instead, kingdom citizens are people who will actively love those who do not love them. They are people who will seek the good of, of every person that they're around. The last verse in chapter 5, I believe, encapsulates the goal of the kingdom citizen. There Christ says, Therefore, you are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That is, that is a lofty goal, to be perfect as, as, as God is perfect. There you go. 
Please, please, this one. Thank you. Uh, so a, a kingdom citizen will, will be seeking to be perfect as his heavenly father is perfect, as his king is perfect. That will be, that, that is the life goal of a kingdom citizen. We want to live like our king. We want to care about the, king, the things that our king cares about. And we want to display the attributes that he displays. So in chapter 6 and, and verse 1, there Christ says, right after he says, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. <coughs> Otherwise you have no reward with your father who is in heaven. <clears throat> so the things that, that Christ is about to talk about in this passage are ways that, that we will display the righteousness of our king. Ways that we will live like our king expects us to live. But here at the very beginning, before he even gets into that, Christ, Christ says, when you do these things, do not do them for your own glory. Don't, don't, be, don't be doing these things just so that you will be noticed. <clears throat> that don't, don't be participating in this righteousness, in this right order for yourself. Be doing this for God. So participating in this right order. Again, the, the right order is the order that God describes. That is what righteousness is. It is God's right order. And kingdom citizens are people who order their lives according to that order. And the things that, uh, that, that are discussed in this chapter, in chapter 6, these are not things that only you know, the best of the best Christians do these things, but not all of the Christians do these things. The, this isn't something that just the best citizens in the kingdom participate in these things. Now, these are things that anyone who, who will be a citizen in God's kingdom, they are things that, that anyone who, who will be a citizen will be participating in. <clears throat> and while, while the, perhaps the implied teaching in, in, in chapter 6 here is that kingdom citizens will be participating in these things, the explicit teaching deals with the attitude that they should be participating in. And again, specifically dealing with pride and with hypocrisy. <clears throat> we're, we're, we're going to look at the first 15 verses of chapter, of chapter 6 this morning. And in, the, in those 15 verses, and we'll read them here in a moment, um, it talks about giving to the poor. It talks about how, how we are to pray. And, and the, the emphasis that Christ makes is, when it, is whenever you're doing these things, you're, you are not doing them to be seen by men. You're not doing them to build yourself up. You're not doing them so others will look at you and be like, he is a really great citizen in God's kingdom of righteousness. You're doing these things for God. That, that is the reason for these things. So he, he is teaching against pride that can arise when we are trying to do things for God. Because again, it is, it is easy to at times, it's easy to turn good things that we're doing. It's easy to turn those things around and, and make them about ourselves where they glorify us. But when that happens, when we, when we start thinking about them in terms of how we look, then we give up the very reason that we should be participating in these things, and that is to glorify our Father in Heaven. That when we do this, it automatically cheapens any good that we may do. So let, let's read these first 15 verses in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, 
Do not send a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So, in, in, in the very in the, the very first thing that Christ covers here in chapter six, in verses two through four, is is the idea of, of giving to the poor, of helping those who are less fortunate. <clears throat> and I think the first thing that we should note when he is when he's discussing this idea of kingdom citizens who are giving to the poor and who are helping the needy, is he says, "When you give to the poor." He doesn't open it by saying, you know, if you happen to be giving to the poor, do it in this manner. He doesn't say, you know, if you, if, if you find yourself in a situation and you felt like it that day to where you're giving to the poor person, you're helping them, you know, you don't need to do it in a prideful manner. That's not how he says it. He says, when you give to the poor, it is implied by, by how he introduces this topic that kingdom citizens are people who will be helping the less fortunate. That, that, is, that is simply assumed here in this passage. He, Christ doesn't even really spend a whole lot of time going into that because it, it is understood that kingdom citizens are people who will help the less fortunate. Kingdom citizens are people who will help those around them who are in need. Whether that is, you know, in this case, he is discussing physical need, people who need food, people who, who need shelter, who need money, that kind of thing, people who, who need our time people who need our support. Kingdom citizens are people who are always looking out for, for those who are, who are in a tough situation, for those who need to be lifted up. When you give to the poor, do not do it in this manner. It, it is assumed that kingdom citizens will help the poor. And, and this, this idea that this is, this is just something that God's people do is not something that is new to the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to turn with me to, to Deuteronomy chapter 24, we will read here that this is something that God expected of his people in the Old Testament. The, the, the physical children of Abraham, the physical Israelites. Deuteronomy chapter 24, uh, starting in verse 19, we'll read to the end of that chapter. This is Moses uh, re repeating the law that God had given him to the people before they entered the promised land. He says, when you, in verse 19, when you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten the sheep in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow, 
in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive tree, you shall not go over the, the boughs again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not go over it again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this thing. We, we read here that the, those, the children of God in the Old Testament, the Israelites, it was encoded in their law that they were to forego some of their crop so that it could be used to feed those who were less fortunate. The, the sojourner, the alien, the, the orphan, the widow, those who didn't have people to look after them. God's people were supposed to look after them by, by giving up some of what they could use for themselves, some of what they could sell for themselves. They were to leave it for those who could not help themselves. This has always been expected of God's people. But if you'll turn with me to, to Isaiah chapter 58, we, we read there how God feels when, when, when these things are not done. Isaiah chapter 58. <clears throat> This is Isaiah offering offering judgment on God's people for, for what they have done and what they have not been doing. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 58, um, beginning in verse 1, Cry loudly, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways as a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God. They ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Say, why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire and drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast like this which I choose, a day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast which I choose, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house, when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn, and your recovery will speedily spring forth, and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will become like midday. Isaiah is, a, is preaching to a people, he's prophesying to a people who have forgotten what was written back in Deuteronomy chapter 24. He, he is prophesying to a people who, who want to call on God for their own good. They want to call on God for just decisions in their own life and for help in their own life. But God is saying through Isaiah, you're coming to me and asking me for these things, but you're not doing this for others. You, 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 you are not giving to the poor. You are not looking after the homeless. You, you, are, you are driving hard your workers for your own gain. And then you're going to come to me and expect me to, to give you the good things that you want? These people have forgotten what, what God expects of citizens in his kingdom. And God is not pleased with that in the least. God's people 
they look after the poor and the needy. That, 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 is, that is simply what they do. It is what they have always been supposed to do. And I believe passages like in Deuteronomy chapter 24 give us insight into the reason why this is the case. We see why God expects this of his people. In verse 22 from Deuteronomy chapter 24, it said, And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore I am commanding you to do this thing. The reason that God's people were supposed to you know, weed some of the grain in the field, the reason they were supposed to weed some of the grapes on the vine, was because God had rescued them out of Egypt. And you, know, you may ask, what does that have to do with the, how they harvest their grain? Well, they were they were helpless in Egypt. They had no one to look after them in Egypt. They had no one to, to deliver them in, in Egypt except for God. And God brought them out of Egypt. God brought them out of slavery, out of poverty, out of death in Egypt, and he gave them life and life abundantly in the promised land. He did that for them. So the very least that they can do is they can look after those who are in a similar situation in their midst. People who, who are struggling, people who, who are struggling to survive, they can lift those people up as God lifted them up out of Egypt. <clears throat> And if you think about it, we're, we're, if you think about it with us today, with these teachings in Matthew 6, which were given to, to Jews under the Old Covenant, but apply the same way to us today, this is teaching about the kingdom of God. God has done the same thing for us. He rescued us from our sins. He brought us out of slavery to sin and, and the death that was coming with that. And he has provided for He's provided life for us. He's provided spiritual life for us. He's provided physical life for us. The food that you may have eaten today, the food that you're going to eat today is from God. The, the ability that you have to work and get the money to get that food is from God. That ability is from God. God has done all of these things for us. There's nothing that we have. There's nothing that we own. There's nothing that we have earned based on our own merit. It is all because of what God has done for us. And it is expected that we will share these blessings of God with those around us, with those who are in need. That, 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 is, that is simply an expectation of citizens in God's kingdom. And, and the reason why we do that, because it, is, because it is based on what God has already done for us, I believe that leads into Christ's teaching that we are to do these things secretly. So the, the point that, that he's driving at here in the first verses of Matthew chapter 6 is that we should do these things in a manner to where we don't draw attention to ourselves. The scribes and the Pharisees, it seems they would go out to the synagogues and the street corners, and they would make a big show of giving to the poor and of praying, as we're going to talk about here in a moment. Christ says, don't, you, you don't do that. And when you think about it, if, if the reason for, for sharing our things with the poor is because God is, God is the one who has given us those things in the first place, then it, it doesn't make sense that I'm going to go and I'm going to act like this is something that you know I am giving. I have all of these things that I have that I have earned, and I'm going to be so benevolent and I'm going to give them to these people. Well, no, that's 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 false. You haven't earned those things. They are God's things. So quit acting like they're their things. Quit acting like this is something that you are doing on your own to make like no. This is this is those things are from God, and you should simply be doing what God expects you to do with them, which is to share with those. Who are in need. So a kingdom citizen is going to give to the poor, not in, in a loud and, and flamboyant manner, but, but in a in a meek, in a humble manner.
because they recognize that that is honestly the only appropriate response after everything that God has done. The least a kingdom citizen can do is help others who are, who are in need. Because if I help someone so that I can be seen, then I'm only thinking about myself. I'm not thinking about what God has done for me. And really, if you think about it, if I'm doing it for my own good, for, for me to look good, then I'm just, using, I'm just using that person. Yeah, maybe they have some material benefit from what I do for them, but I'm just using that person as a tool to make myself look good. And that, I don't know about you, that does not sound like a kingdom citizen to me. That, 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 that type of attitude does not seem to fit the Beatitudes that we've studied at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. But if I am poor in spirit, if, if I recognize my need for God, if I'm merciful, if I'm recognizing my, because I recognize my own need for mercy, then I'm going to be more than willing to help someone in need. Because when I look at them, and I, I see perhaps their literal hunger and their literal thirst, then I should be reminded of my own desperate need for God and for His righteousness. <clears throat> verses 5 and 6, Christ says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, see, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. <clears throat> Very similar type of teaching right here, just about prayer now instead of, of giving to the poor. And again, the same, the, the same assumption is made. So when you pray, it is, it is simply understood that God's people are, are a prayerful people. They are people who, who, who want to and will be communicating with their king, with their father. So that, that, that assumption is made up front. That when you pray, this is how you don't do it. And then later, this is how, this is how you are to do it. Because prayer should be a time when I humble myself before God. It's not a time for me to uplift myself before others. It's a time for me to humble myself before God. It's when I go to Him and I recognize that He alone can deliver me from my sins. That He alone can deliver me from the sorrows of this world. If you want, uh, look in Luke 18. There's uh, a parable that is probably familiar with, with, with many of us. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee and the publican. Look chapter 18 and verse 9, and he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. The, the tax collector here, the publican, he understood the, the, the characteristics that are taught in the Beatitudes. He understood what it meant to be poor in spirit, to, to hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. He understood that. The Pharisee did not. The Pharisee is there. He's, he's, it says that you can pray to himself. But he, he, is, he, he is reciting all of the good things that, God, that he is doing for God. But again, this is, this is the opposite. 
of the attitude that, that Christ is, is describing in Matthew chapter 6. When I turn my prayer into a public spectacle, I take the focus of the prayer off of God and I place it on myself. I, I, I take the focus of the prayer off of the king who can actually do something about the things that I'm praying and I put it on myself. Seems silly when you really put it like that. But that, 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 is, that is what a kingdom citizen should be avoiding. It is praying in, in a prideful manner, doing these things in a way to be seen by men. <clears throat> Instead, we, we are to do this. We, we are to do this in a way where we are we are humbling ourselves before God, and we are trusting that He can hear our prayers and He can answer our prayers. <clears throat> in verse seven, He says, "And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do." For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. My, my, my prayers should not be should not be meaninglessly repetitive. And, and I think we need to be careful when we we use a lot of the same phrases day in and day out when we're praying to God. And think about it: What are we doing when we're praying to God? We are talking to Him. We are we are having a conversation with our Father who's in heaven. And then when we read his word, he is, he is talking, he's responding to us. So thinking about the idea of prayer being part of the conversation, you know, when I'm talking with Mary Catherine throughout the week, I don't, I don't, I don't say the same things to her over and over and over again. That's, that's not how our relationship works. Because we have a close relationship with each other. We share things with each other. We tell each other how our days have gone. We, we talk to each other about the good things that, that happen. We talk to each other about the bad things that have happened. We, we share with each other the goals that we have. We, we talk with each other when, when there's a crisis going on. We're trying to work through that. We don't talk about the same exact thing every, in every single conversation that we have with each other because we have a relationship with each other. We have a close relationship with each other. We should have... A, we should have I, I should have a closer relationship with my Heavenly Father even than I have with my wife. I should, be, I should be sharing things with my Heavenly Father that are going on in my life. Prayer is not just something that we do because, you know, we're religious. And so, yeah, we have to pray because we're Christians. And so we then go and we start falling into the rut of saying the same things over and over again. But, you know, I prayed. I, I, I said words that started with, Dear God, in Jesus' name, Amen. That's that, that's not what kingdom citizens, that's not how kingdom citizens are to pray to their father. So how are kingdom citizens to pray to their father? Let's continue reading. Verse 9, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> so we, we see this, this model prayer, as, as it is often called. Um, and this prayer is not a model prayer in the sense that we should pray these words exactly. Right? I, I see no issue with praying these words exactly. If we're thinking about what we're saying and we're not... It's not not just meaningless repetition. I see no problem with praying this prayer. But that's 
Christ did not give this model of prayer for the purpose of people just praying these words that he said. This, is, this, this prayer is a model in the sense that it contains the type of things that a kingdom citizen will be praying for. It is a model in that it teaches for understanding, not just for memorization. That, so, so what is this teaching? What is the understanding that we should be learning from, from this prayer that Christ prays here in Matthew chapter 6? Well, first, he, he, let's look at how he opens it. He opens the prayer by saying, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And there's, there's almost a paradox in this, in that he, he addresses God as the Father. God is our Father. And, and, and that idea of the Father is someone with whom we should have, a, again, going back to the relationship, a very close relationship, a very personal, loving relationship with our Father. But then he says, hallowed be your name. And that, that idea of, of hallowing something, we don't, we don't really use that word, but if we hallow something, if something is hallowed, it is holy. It, it, is, it is above other things. It is set apart. So in, in one sense, we are approaching God as, as a child would approach their father with this close relationship, this loving relationship, but we are at the same time recognizing, yes, he is our father, but he is, he is so far above us. He, he is so much holier than we could ever be on our own. And, and, and so you see how, how, why I say there's almost a paradox in how we are approaching God, but yet that is, the, that is the beauty of his covenant relationship with his people, is that even though he is so high and so holy and so hallowed, and we are so not that, we can still, we can still talk to him as our father. Christ then prays for God's kingdom to come. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, so the understanding to take from this is that kingdom citizens are people who accept and submit to God's sovereignty, sovereignty as kings. They want his kingdom to come. Kingdom citizens are people that recognize that God is the authority in their lives, the and only the authority in their lives, and that their lives should be ordered after the righteousness of their king. That his will will be done in their lives and in the world around them. Because that's what this whole sermon is about, right? It's about describing the rightly ordered lives of kingdom citizens. So it makes sense that those citizens that those citizens will be praying for God's sovereignty and for his authority to be recognized throughout this world. And, and, and the prayer specifically is that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That his rule will be recognized here as it is recognized in heaven. He rules in heaven, right? I don't think anybody would, would dispute that God rules in heaven. But in this world, there, there's, there's a sense in which he, of course, is, is in complete control over this world. But then there's another sense in which this world is not completely under his control. We're told that, that Satan is the prince of this world. Satan holds some power over this world. And we know he's going to lose that power. God, God will win utterly and completely in the end. But there is a sense that until Christ returns in judgment, there is, there is part of this world that is in rebellion against our king. There's part of this world that is rebelling against God and his righteousness and his right order. So kingdom citizens are people who, will, who pray that God's plan, that his will, will be accomplished on this earth. 
We are people who should pray that his authority will be recognized by all and that he will put an end to the rebellion that is currently in progress. But we must not forget that that rebellion is a rebellion that, we, that each and every one of us has at some point participated in. And that, that, that is something that, that should keep us humble, that should keep us poor in spirit. Because we, we recognize that we ourselves have contributed to, to this rebellion. We have contributed to this destruction. But if, but if we are going to be living now as kingdom citizens, we are living, we are, we are hopeful, we are praying that God will come and will put an end to, this, to the rest of this rebellion. That his kingdom will come with its desire. Then verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. When kingdom citizens pray to their king, they're concerned with what they need for that day. Our daily bread. Not our bread for this week, not our bread for this month, not our bread until our retirement. Give us this day our daily bread. And, and by praying in this manner, kingdom citizens are demonstrating complete trust and complete faith in God. They're, they're, they're not, you know, giving God, they're not giving God the responsibility of the long-range planning while they figure out, all right, how am I going to get through today? But, but instead, they give to God the, the ability, or they, they give him the responsibility of what I'm going to eat right now. What I'm going to eat to help me survive until tomorrow. That is God's responsibility. And I'm not even going to worry about anything else. Because I am going to, I am going to, I can recognize that God is the king. And that he is the one who, who gives me any disability. And so the goal in that, the goal of the kingdom citizen is to serve God to the best of his or her ability today. That is the goal of the kingdom citizen, is to serve God today to the best of my ability. And I'm going to trust that God is going to give me whatever food I need to, to accomplish that. He's going to give me whatever health I need to accomplish his, his will today. I don't know about tomorrow. Uh, I'll pray about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. But for today... I am going to, to entrust to God that the, my health, my food, whatever I need so that I can accomplish His will today. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We, we've touched on this some already, but as kingdom citizens pray to the king, they will recognize that because they have been forgiven much, they too must also forgive. And our own forgiveness is connected with the forgiveness that we show others. And Christ is not preaching here. He's not teaching here that, all right, when I forgive somebody for this thing that they did against me, and automatically this other thing that I did over here gets forgiven. That's not what that, he's not teaching that. That it's just this automatic thing that happens. That, um, but what he is saying is that it does not matter how much I ask for forgiveness for the things that I have done, for the sins I've committed against God and committed against others. It doesn't matter how much I ask for forgiveness for those things if I am not willing to forgive my brother over here. If I am holding on to something that someone has done to me, if I'm living with bitterness in my life, then, and, and I am unwilling to forgive someone, not just say the words, yeah, I forgive you, but then, you know, still hold it in your mind, but truly forgive someone as God forgives. If I'm not willing to do that, then, you know, good luck receiving forgiveness from, from the Father if you're not willing to, to, to demonstrate his forgiveness to others. <clears throat> Kingdom citizens are, are, are people who will be merciful because they recognize that they themselves have a desperate need for mercy. 
This model prayer ends uh, in verse 13 with a cry. It says, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This prayer ends with a cry for strength. A cry for strength to follow God's ways instead of the ways the devil is tempted to follow. It ends with a cry for strength to overcome our earthly, our base desires. But instead, it, we are seeking the strength to seek the righteousness of God's kingdom. And again, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. We, 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 we have discussed this morning things that you know, we, we talked we talked at, at first about how these are things that it's it is simply expected the kingdom citizens will be participating in these things. It is expected the kingdom citizens will will help those who are in need. It, that they will, it is expected the kingdom citizens will be praying to God, will be taking their, their cares, their concerns to him, will be taking their praise to him, their thanks to him. These are things that kingdom citizens are expected to do. And when we do these things, we, we must make sure that we're doing them for the right reasons. Because if it's not for the right reasons, then we are, uh, our righteousness is matching the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. It's not exceeding it like we were called to. If we're doing this for our own looks, for our own benefit, then we, we are matching the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And that's not going to get us anywhere that we want to be. There, there, are, there are so many blessings that come from being a kingdom and God's citizen, or a citizen in God's kingdom, excuse me. We have, we have access to our Father, where, where we can go, we can pray to Him, we can talk to Him, and we, and we can cast our cares on Him. We, we, have, we have blessings that, that, we, that we can share with other people, and, and, that, and sharing them with other people is a blessing. That's, not, that's some, not something that should be looked at as a chore, but it is a blessing to share out the blessings God has given us with others. That's a privilege to be able to do that. It, it, it is a. There are so many wonderful, marvelous things about being a citizen in God's kingdom. So th this morning, I, I hope we will, as we leave here, I hope we will consider these things. I hope that we will take these things with us as we leave the, this hour of worship. Um, I, I hope that, that these things will impact me, that they will impact each of you as we live our lives this week. If you are not a citizen in God's kingdom, we would, we would urge you to become one. It is, as we've talked about, there there are wonderful blessings that come from being in this kingdom. There, there is freedom from guilt. There is freedom from from judgment. There, there is there, there are so many good things about being a citizen in God's kingdom. And if you need that today, if you need to be baptized, enter into the covenant with God to become a citizen in His kingdom, we, we would urge you to to let us know and. Baptistry is here. We, we can we can baptize you into the blood of Christ, and, and contact with that blood will cleanse you of your sins and will grant you entrance into this kingdom. If there's anything that the congregation can do for anyone here, any prayers that you need, any help that you need, you can come for now as as we stand and as we sing.